early in Matthew's gospel, it gives a statement about what Jesus was doing. And it says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Even though Jesus did a number of things in his three-year ministry, including performing miracles and healing, casting out demons, Jesus spent, I believe, the majority of his time teaching. Jesus was a teacher. The Gospels tell us that the theme of his teaching was one of the kingdom of God. And invariably, when Jesus taught about the kingdom, he used parables, uh, which are earthly metaphors for heavenly principles or truths. Jesus used things that the people knew on earth to teach them about things they needed to know in the spiritual realm, in the heavenly realm. Um, and although Jesus used a number of earthly metaphors, uh, one of the metaphors that he used was from agriculture. And so last Sunday we started uh, looking at those agricultural uh, parables that Jesus taught predominantly, and our focus has been in Matthew chapter 13. My sense in the New Testament is that when it was compiled, that uh, they collected those certain teachings of Jesus into kind of a, a section. And that's what we find in Matthew 13. It is the agricultural parables uh, of Jesus. And it's not just that there was one day recorded in Matthew 13 that Jesus was standing beside the sea and said, hey, I want to I use some agricultural parables. I think these were things that Jesus taught over and over, but the gospel writers kind of collect them and uh, use them in, in one occasion to uh, teach about what Jesus was teaching um, about the kingdom of God. And so in the weeks between now and summer, I want us to look at the agricultural parables and I want us to talk about the seed, the soil, and the sower. I want to start with the seed, and we did last Sunday. Uh, and even though all three aspects, the seed, the soil, and the sower, are essential to the process of a harvest, it seems to me that there is a distinction with the seed because it is only in the seed that we find the power of reproduction. The only way anything grows is because there is a seed that has been, in the physical realm, that has been genetically programmed to produce life. And last Sunday we learned that the seed, the metaphor of the seed, speaks about the word of the kingdom. And understand, therefore, what Jesus was teaching there is only power to produce in the seed of the kingdom. 
the message of the gospel, it can be stated in different ways. Do you understand? The soil does not have the ability to produce a crop. The sower does not have the ability to produce new life. Only the seed does. And Jesus taught the disciples this because what he was teaching them, and we learned this, many of you in your life groups this morning, is that the message of the kingdom has been entrusted to us to spread that seed. Um, I want to look at one of the shortest parables in that collection in Matthew 13, and it is the parable of the mustard seed, and it is in Matthew 13, 31, and 32. It's only two verses. It's a, it's a short, or what I would say this morning, it is a small parable of Jesus. So Jesus, after teaching the lengthier parable of the soils or the sower, and then even one that we'll look at next Sunday, the wheat and the tares. He says in Matthew, recorded in Matthew 13, 31, another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all of the seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Let me read it again. This is what Jesus said. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. In the first verse, in verse 31, we see the three components of the harvest, the seed, the soil, and the sower, he talks about a mustard seed. He, talk, he talks about a man who took that seed and sows it, the sower. And he talks about how he sowed it in his field. And so we see uh, the, the three components, the seed, the soil, and the sower. Uh, but Jesus doesn't just say any seed. He says it's a mustard seed. Um, the mustard seed was used... In Jesus' day, uh, as referring to something that was proverbially small. Small seed, a mustard seed. We know this because Jesus uh, uses this same idea later uh, recorded in Matthew 17, 20, when he says... Uh, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. So, so we know the mustard seed is 
used in Jesus' time as something that is proverbially, proverbially, whoo, I knew I was going to have trouble. That's the last time I'm going to say that word uh, this morning. Uh, referring to a proverb, uh, a mustard seed is used in Jesus' culture proverbially as something that is small. It is small, though in the sense that it has a disproportionate effect than the size of its seed. And I know we don't think about this, but I, I know Byron had a post about his are they black walnut trees? And he has, I don't, you know, so you think of a walnut. And so you've got a walnut, which is a pretty large seed, and then you've got a pretty big tree. Okay, makes sense. We could see that in a lot of areas uh, in agriculture. But Jesus said, and the Jews would have taught, that the seed of a mustard seed is disproportionate to the plant that it creates. There's there's something different there. Small seed, but a larger plant. And actually what Jesus is referring to is, he's not talking about um, uh, like farming. He's talking about someone's vegetable garden. And so he even refers in verse 32 to the her herbs. Uh, when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs. So I need you to think in this parable Jesus is talking not about a wheat field he's not planting he's not planting uh, olive trees he's going no in, in your backyard your vegetable garden uh, he says of all of those things that you plant and I, I, I did a little research what would they have planted I think what are they planting in their gardens in those days beans coriander cucumbers cumin dill Garlic, leeks, melons, mint, onions, peas. Those are in alphabetical order if you don't know. So, Not that I have OCD issues or anything. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> so these are the things that they're planting in their gardens. Now, yes, do they have a barley field? Sure. But they're growing these herbs to cook with. And he says of all of those, all of those plants end up, and probably they all have similar sized seed, and they end up being similar sized plants even though they look different he said except for the mustard seed because when you plant the mustard seed it becomes a more of a tree uh, that grows to about 10 to 12 feet so picture the vegetable garden and you've got the tomato plants and the squash and all those things that are growing kind of at a certain level but you've got one thing that's growing 10 to 12 feet and Jesus says of all the things you plant in your vegetable garden that you use for cooking, and that's what mustard seed would have been used for, a, a spice or a seasoning, he says the mustard tree just towers above them all. In fact, it's so large that birds can build their nests there. Birds don't build nests in tomato plants, I don't think, or some kind of squash or okra. You just, it's like, no. But the mustard seed is small, but its effect is disproportionately large compared to the seed so that even the birds of the air can build the nest. The truth that Jesus was teaching was that it's not the size of the seed but the size of the power within the seed 
when he talked about faith in Matthew 17, 20, and he said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. He was teaching it's not the size of your faith. It is the size of the one you have the faith in that counts. What was Jesus teaching? The mustard seed. small but it has a disproportionately large effect here's the truth it's not the amount of your words but it is the power within those words that is most important it's it's not it's not the amount of your words. It is the power within those words that is most significant. My phrase is simple words, significant impact. Simple words have significant impact. And I got to thinking, you're going to be amazed at this. That's so true. Aren't you amazed that the preacher goes, oh, Jesus, that's, that's so right. I, I got to thinking about it in my own life. The simple words that had significant impact in my life. I can remember being 17 years of age. And God speaking to me through his Holy Spirit about being a preacher. Wow, 17. 42 years ago. It's a long time. And I remember one Sunday night, very real experience at church, knowing, knowing what God had called me to do, and kind of like Jonah going to the, the, uh, the bottom of that ship, I went home and I went to bed. Probably pulled the covers up over my head. And somewhere in the middle of the night, I was awakened, or I found myself awake. And the simple words that Jesus spoke to me through his Holy Spirit that night were this, that changed the direction of my life. This was all it was you know what I have called you to do. There's only a few times in my life I can give you a direct quote from God. That's a direct quote through the Holy Spirit in my heart, not an audible voice. You know what I have called you to do. And that simple word changed the direction of my life. Uh, if I had to pick a uh, life verse for my ministry it would be uh, Zechariah 4 6 and it says and this is spoken to Zerubbabel who was called back from exile to rebuild the temple and anytime you can use a verse that has Zerubbabel in it you want to use it <clears throat> uh, Zechariah 4 6 very simple word the word of the Lord that came to Zerubbabel not by might nor by power, 
but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. It's a simple word, but it's something that is very significant to me in my journey. I can remember the three words that Amy spoke to me, those three words. In fact, Amy, I was thinking about this. It, it's 40 years ago, and I don't remember. I bet it was June of the summer of 1981. I bet it was June. And, uh, and those three simple words changed the direction of my life when Amy said, I love you. Uh, I really have, I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't get permission. Sometimes you say things from the pulpit you don't get permission for. Uh, you just say it and you clean up the damage later. Uh, I didn't want to ask her. Uh, I really feel like Amy spoke it first before I did. I don't know what you remember, Amy. And I know I reciprocated. I know I did, but I think probably she said it first. But they were three simple words but it changed the direction of my life. Simple words, significant impact. I think in the Old Testament, some of the simple words that were spoken but had significant impact. I thought about the prophet Elijah after the encounter with the prophets of Baal and hiding out in a cave. And God says, come out and stand in front of me. This is in 1 Kings 19. And Elijah is standing there at the mouth of this cave, and the wind comes. I was about to make a loud noise of a wind, but just... Do you know what the Scripture says? God wasn't in the wind. There's an earthquake. The Scripture says God was not in the earthquake. There was fire that appeared. And the Scripture says that God was not in the fire but then a still small voice and God was in the voice simple words significant impact Solomon in the Old Testament says it this way in Proverbs 25 11 he says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver of silver a word fitly spoken simple words that have significant impact I thought about the New Testament of Jesus and early in the Gospels and we could read this early in Matthew's Gospel walking beside the Sea of Galilee and seeing those first fishermen. And what did Jesus say? He simply said, come, follow me. Simple words, but that had a significant impact in the direction of their life. I think of the paralytic, or actually paralytics, that Jesus encounters and his, the healings are recorded in the Gospels, what did Jesus say to the paralytic? Take up your bed and walk. They were simple words, but they had significant impact. 
Think about what Jesus says to Jairus' daughter who has died. He simply says, little girl, arise. And the whole direction of her life was changed. I think of the story of Jesus walking on the Sea of Galilee, and at least in Luke's account, it, it records that uh, it's Peter on that occasion who says, Lord, if that's you, then you command me to come to you. What does Jesus say to Peter in that moment? He simply says, come. And, Jesus, and Peter, for a couple steps, walks on water, which none of the rest of us have done, okay, before we judge him. In John chapter 8, there is a woman caught in adultery that is thrown before Jesus, and the, and the religious leaders ask Jesus what he has to say. Do you remember? Cricket, you'll appreciate this. He doodled in the ground. You're doodling right now. I know that. Sherry, isn't she? She's doodling. Yeah, okay. I don't know if it's a flower or what it is. Is it a flower? Okay. Jesus doodled in the ground, in the dirt, when they said, what do you say about this woman? And in time, everybody leaves. What did Jesus say? He looks around and he says, woman, where are your accusers? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Simple words but had such a significant impact that changed her life. Days after that, Jesus is walking through the city of Jericho, and he comes to a spot of a sycamore tree, and there's a man in the tree. What does Jesus say? He says, Zacchaeus, come down because I'm going to your house. To stay, or that's the song. Maybe that's not a quote from the gospel. Maybe that's a quote from the song. You get it. It's, it's all about the same. You don't know the Greek that I do. <laughs> I, I kind of just broke in. I'm going to your house to stay. I'm going to your house to stay. Anyhow, Shane, we don't ever sing that anymore. Anyhow, but that, maybe next Sunday. Simple words, significant impact. I would die if you had that in the order next Sunday. But anyhow, <clears throat> Google wee little man. Okay, anyhow, that's how you're going to find that one. Later in the city of Jericho, maybe the next day as Jesus is leaving town, there is a blind man named Bartimaeus. Jesus changes his life when he simply says, receive your sight. Simple words, significant impact. Later when Jesus is at Jerusalem, actually it's before this. I got these a little out of chronological order. In John 11, he comes to a tomb of a man who had been dead mm, four days. What does Jesus say? He simply says, Lazarus, 
come forth. You're talking about words that had significant impact. Simple words, significant impact. Sometime after that, Jesus, after his own resurrection, is outside the tomb and Mary Magdalene is out there and she thinks he's the gardener. And she's asking them, where have you taken my Lord? Jesus says to Mary Magdalene, one word, Mary. A simple word, but it had significant impact. I remember uh, years ago in my first church in Seymour, our family was befriended by a retired Baptist preacher, Brother Douglas Crow, and uh, we spent a lot of time together. I remember Brother Crow saying to me one day, he's, we were talking about the sinner's prayer. What do you have to pray in the sinner's prayer? I don't, I don't know why I remember these things. It's all the random things in life I actually remember, you know. Brother Crow said he really believed that the simple prayer that saves someone could be as simple if spoken with the right right heart the one word Jesus and he thought it would be enough to save simple words significant impact Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6 7 is teaching about prayer and talking to God and he said this is my paraphrase of Matthew 6 7 he says, don't be like the Gentiles. Don't use vain repetition. They believe that they will be heard for their many words. Don't use vain repetition and be like the Gentiles because they believe they will be heard for their many words. Apparently in prayer, simple words have significant impact. You would have to say if that's true as we talk to God, it also has to be true as we talk to other people. That simple words have significant impact. I remember the story in John 9 of the blind man whom Jesus healed in Jerusalem and he's brought before the religious leaders and they're asking them what what do you say about Jesus what about this what about this what about this what about this and finally the man says I don't know about any of that but this is what I know once I was blind and now I see end of discussion simple words significant impact I think about a quote, it's not from the Bible, but from uh, the chosen. I know not everybody's on board yet, that's fine. Season two is launched. There's three episodes out there. But if you remember that scene of Mary Magdalene in the chosen and Mary Magdalene was the one who had seven demons and Jesus delivers but in the chosen there is this scene where she encounters Nicodemus 
on the streets of Capernaum. And he's asking, he's pressing her. It's like, what, what, who is this man? What did he do? What are you? And she's kind of like that blind man in chapter 9, in John chapter 9. Mary Magdalene finally says, when pressed, I was one way, and now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. I was one way, and now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. Simple words, significant impact. Jesus said, your words are like a mustard seed. And even though it's small, if it's planted, it will come, become disproportionately large compared to the other things in the garden. So much so that even the birds of the air will be able to come and put, place their nest in that. What was it that Jesus was teaching? It's not the amount of your words. It is not the eloquence of your words. It is the power within the word. What does Jesus speak to us today? My sense is that many times we do not say anything because we do not think we have enough words to speak. And so we say nothing. We say, well, my knowledge about Jesus, my experience is like a mustard seed. It doesn't mean anything. It's so small. It doesn't matter. And Jesus is teaching us, plant it. Because it's not the size of the seed. It's the size of the power within the seed. It's simple words that have significant impact. We have a choice. In conversations that we have with people that we encounter, maybe we think we don't have enough time, it's not the right place, it's in an elevator, it's a random place I would say to you don't be silent because you don't think you have a lot to say have the courage to say something what I would say to you I believe that Jesus is teaching us here is in that moment when in your mind you say I have an opportunity to speak or not speak in the split second Pause. Pray and speak what God lays on your heart, even though it may be small. God can use it in a significant way in someone's life. 
I don't know how to describe this to you. Other than saying that the most significant words are the simplest. And I believe God calls us every day, the people we encounter, to speak and to plant the seed. And it, that seed, you may say, well, I, I don't, Brother Darrell went through all of those sermons on apologetics. I just don't remember all those details. And I'll be honest with you, I don't either right now. And you might be in that moment and you say, I'm just not going to say anything because I don't know everything to say. I'm saying to you, have the courage and the conviction to say something. Pause. Pray. Speak what is at the essence of what they are talking about. And it may be of what you know about Jesus. And it may be as simple as what John Newton wrote. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. It may speak to your own experience. I once was a religious person, but was disconnected from God. But through Jesus, I found a connection with Christ. Whether your knowledge of the gospel is the size of a mustard seed or your experience with Christ is the size of a mustard seed, don't say, oh, all I have is this. I say to you, plant it and let God grow it because it can have significant impact on someone else's life. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me today? And I want to pray. And uh, we'll be dismissed. If you have decisions, if you would like to visit with me, I will be at the front uh, for as long as anyone's here and would like to visit. Father, t today I, I ask that the word that has been presented to us today will fall on good soil. And Father, as we leave this place, that we will take our own mustard seeds and we will plant them in the midst of conversations that we have today and this week. And I pray that you would use the simple words of the gospel and you would bring a for forth significant impact. And Father, we trust this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You're